This podcast is brought to you by Australia's LGBTQIA plus community media organisation, Joy. Keep Joy on air by becoming a member, a subscriber or donate. Head to joy.org.au. Joy, a diverse sound for a diverse community. Nighting. Hi, this is Dan Andrews. Hello, this is Lord Mayor Sally Cap. Hello, this is Neil Mitchell from 3AW. G'day, I'm Jude Munro. Hi, this is Josh Burns. Hi, this is Justine Delariva. And no matter where I am on a Saturday morning, I'm always listening to Saturday Magazine. Hi, this is Georgie Purcell. I listen to Saturday Magazine on Joy 94.9, and so should you, every Saturday, 10am to noon. Out loud, proud, Joy. This is Saturday Magazine. You are with Paul and Macca on this wonderful pre-Christmas morning, Saturday the 9th of December. Macca, who is our next guest? Our next guest is David Locke. David is the CEO of the Australian Financial Complaints Authority. But first, before we get into the nitty gritty of that, welcome, David. Welcome. Uh, Delighted to be with you today. It's a pleasure to have you here and thank you for making the effort and the time to come in. It's always better to have our guests in the studio because we can eyeball you. Absolutely. And, and happy birthday. Happy 30th Thank you. Birthday happy 30th. Well. So tell us the David Locke story. Tell us uh, how did you end up at the Australian Financial Complaints Authority? But tell us a bit of your history. I know sometimes people don't want to talk about that, but you tell us about you, what you'd like us, our listeners to share. Well, as you can probably tell, I grew up in the UK. Um, I was a a lawyer working in legal aid and community legal centres in the UK. And then I went and worked at the Charity Commission, the charity regulator um, of England, Wales. And it was really from that that I got brought out to Australia um, in uh, 2011 to help set up the Australian Charities and Not-for-Profits Commission. Ah, well, um, that's a subject that's dear to my heart. Because as a not-for-profit with uh, deductibility status, yeah, that is a a really important organisation. Uh, you know, both as a framework and you know a regulator. Um, and I know there's been some changes recently. Do you think? Because a lot of other countries in the world don't have a similar system. What are the? Adv- I know we're going to talk about Africa, but tell us about that yeah. when you set that up. Well, I think there's so much red tape and bureaucracy um, for charities and not-for-profits. And and you know the Mm. hurdles you had to go through to try and get um, DGR status to be able to uh, get donations and, um, and be able to support yourselves. So really what that's about is about having a simple regime for all charities and not-for-profits um, where you can report uh, and show that you are a legitimate organisation and really cut some of the red tape out. What the public want to know is that charities are well run uh, and that if people give money, they can do so in confidence and that if there are people out there trying to scam the public or there are pit rorts um, going on in the sector, that somebody will actually take action and properly regulate it. So it's about supporting charities. It's about helping people to set up charities because, after all, they change the world and make yes. the world a better place, um, but also taking away some of the, the, the red tape and the rubbish and the hurdles that organisations have to go through. So I think, David, one of the really important things there is is it does provide a framework. does, absolutely. It also, you know, enables, provides support, encouragement, you know, for organisations that want to set up as a charity and that, you know, there are charities that have lost their status 
because, let's just say, some of their activities have not met the criteria. And that's really important, that it's not just, oh, yes, we'll give you a tick and off you go. No. Um, what was, if I might ask, in, in taking that role on, what was perhaps the biggest challenge of that, you know, when you... Yeah, you're there. Okay, um, setting yeah. setting this up. What was one of the biggest challenges? But what did you also feel the most proud of? I was, I was really proud that we um, were able to build the register for the first time. There's one place you can go to yep. and you can find out all the information about organisations. You couldn't do that before. No. It was a nightmare to try and find out who are these, who, who is this outfit, what are, what are they doing, uh, how are they spending the money, how do I know that this is legitimate? So that was a big task. And, of course, it was very political. Uh, unfortunately, it, it became very political because not everybody wanted to have their financial details published. Mm. And so there was some opposition to that. And we were set up under the Gillard government uh, in uh, 13 years ago. But then 10 months later, the Abbott government came in uh, with an agenda to abolish the agency. So there yes. were about three. So it's a challenging start when you're building an agency and you don't know whether 10 months later you've got to really dismantle it. And I was here on temporary visas as well. So I, I said to staff, I'll, I'll stay till the end. We'll do yeah. our very best. We'll try and show uh, to everybody, really, that this is important and there's some value. Um, but if at the end it does get abolished, I will stay with you till the end. I'll help you get other jobs and then I'll go to the airport because I had 60 days to leave yeah. the country. <laughs> so that was the that was the life of the first few years of the organisation. But it survived and it's doing amazing stuff. And I'm so proud of the team there. Because charities are so important. It's, it's a big, big employer and big part of the economy as well. And often government doesn't respect that or, or, or really support charities enough. Yeah, and it's, it is important. You know, those, that period of, of the coalition government was not easy for a lot of charities. There was, my words, not yours, there was an undeclared war by the government against charities and wanting in in many ways to actually gag us and as a radio station uh, and a community radio station with dgr status that was a real challenge that we had to very carefully understand what the boundaries were and more than i can say i'm not going to name them but more than one government mp actually said to us you know you need to be careful um you know you're making comment that we don't like, and that could affect your status. Anyway, they didn't. They decided that they weren't going to be bullies and intimidate us. They tried. Anyway. But charities have always been campaigning. Yes. Yeah. You know, and uh, uh, as, a, as a queer person, I know that, you know, all the rights that we've got, everything oh, that we've achieved don't just get them. is through campaigning and through hard work. And, 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 you know, charities have, have always supported, whether it's women's suffrage or whether it's marriage equality. And I think it's six years to the day, actually, yes, almost, of, the, yep. of, the, almost of the, the marriage equality legislation going through. Um, all of these battles are hard won, really. And, um, and you'll find not-for-profit organisations at the heart of them. Yeah. Um, so the question is, how did you... Yeah, yeah let's, let's move from charities. How did you manage then to jump in from the charities into the financial complaints uh, 
body. Well, it was a bit different. <laughs> it was a bit of a challenge. But hang on, it's still advocacy, isn't it? It's still actually um, provide. Or it's still, we're not really an advocacy organisation. So what we are is we're we're the financial ombudsman for Australia, uh, and a lot of what we do is resolving complaints, resolving disputes that individual people will have or small business owners will have with banks, insurers, super funds, life insurers, financial advisors, so really anybody in the financial services sector. So if you've got a dispute and it could be about an insurance claim, it could be about uh, um, credit enforcement activity, debt collectors, it could be about you know mortgage repossession, it could be it could be your credit card, it could be about scams, any of these sorts of things. If you can't resolve it with the financial firm, then you come to us as an alternative, free alternative to the court. And our role is to look at this, try and resolve it. And if it can't be resolved, then we will make a determination based upon what we think is fair in all the circumstances of the case. If you accept that, then that's them binding on the financial firm and they have to pay up. If you don't, you're, you're not bound as a consumer. So, so Macca, before you jump in, I just want to clarify. So if there was good legislation um, in the financial services sector and you had firms doing the right thing, ideally then we would do you out of a job. Is, have you come across bad legislation that has, that has made your life probably more complicated? Have you found a pattern of, of issues? Well, there's, there's always going to be disputes. Uh, there's always going to be, if you have insurance, there's always going to be some cases where there are disputes. And there will always be in any any market, there will be good uh, pl- good firms who are treating people fairly. And there will be firms who are, uh, let's just say, at the sharper end of practice. Um, so there's always going to be some issues there. And, and you know, if you have to go to court, mm. you know how difficult that is. Yeah. I mean, most people can't. And costly. And, and costly. And, and, and to be honest, even if you can, aff- even if you can do it, then the, the risk on costs uh, it, could go against, against you. And, and also you're up against, if you're up against a big bank or a big insurer, it's mm. like David and Goliath, they'll lawyer up to the hilt really yeah. and you'll often be trying to represent yourself so so there's always going to be work of that nature in terms of legislation yeah there's always things that we would we would prefer and we do respond to uh different consultations on legislation and we talk to government and we talk to the financial firms where we think there's issues that need to be addressed and one that we are very passionate about and that the government is taking some action on is scams because yes. we really think that that is a, a major problem and where the legislation sits and where the regulations sit is not helping people there's a lot of Anybody can be subjected to this, and it causes a huge amount of human misery. So, yes, we do talk to government, but we're not a government body. We're actually a not-for-profit ourselves. Okay. Um, that's how we're constructed. Michael. So, uh, listeners know I love statistics, and I've got one here that 70% of AFCA's scheme members have never had a complaint reach AFCA. So a scheme member, tell us what a scheme member is. So there's about 17,000 financial firms, yeah. and that could be from very big firms through to you know relatively small businesses. And then there are, um, I think, about 25,000 uh, uh, authorised credit reps. Right. So they may be people who are brokers okay. or who are advisors or whatever. So uh, that's the membership. 
Uh, and what you see is that actually over the last five years, there are a number of those, particularly smaller members, where there's never been any complaint. But there will be financial advice firms where there's no complaints at all. Uh, and there'll be others where we're getting significant numbers through. So we actually publish the data that we have on complaints on our website. We've got an interactive data cube and you can go and look and you can see what financial firm is getting complaints, whether they're resolving complaints, you can see what they're about. And that's the, amazing transparency. Yeah, the, that's right. Phenomenal. And that's right. And that's important because you should be able to see this information. You know, since you were established, first uh, of November 2018, 402,346 complaints registered, nearly $1.2 billion, I'll say that again, $1.2 billion in compensation or refunds for consumers and small businesses, 68% of complaints resolved by agreement, 6% of cases progressed to a, a formal decision, Nearly 50,000 members of the scheme, which is, as you said, David, you know, firms and individuals, and nearly 70% of those members have not had a complaint made against them. I think, can I ask a, a question? So I make a complaint. I, I, yeah. I have an issue with my bank or my super fund. I try to resolve it with them, meet a dead end. I then come to AFCA. So I lodge the complaint. Um you guys then look at it and obviously engage with me and the financial institution or individual. Does that financial institution or individual, when do they pay to be a member or do they have to contribute to the cost of adjudicating each complaint? How does that work? Well, they all, they're required to be members, otherwise they can't have an Australian financial services licence right, right. or they can't be an authorised credit rep. So they have to join AFCA as part of the scheme and then they have to pay all the costs of AFCA. Right. And, and that's done in a number of ways. So they will pay based upon the complaint fees for complaints that come forward. And the, the, if they don't resolve the complaint early, then they'll pay more. If it goes all the way through, they pay more. And then there's what's called a user charge. So the very big firms or the very heavy users of the scheme actually also pay the rest. So that's Can, how it works. So uh, for any individual consumer, it's free. Yeah. Uh, the fin financial services industry has to pay because at the end of the day, we're resolving their complaints. Can I suggest quickly before we go to a break that would be a bit of an incentive to the financial firm that if a complaint is going to go to AFCA ultimately there's going to be a cost to them regardless of the decision yeah would that be perhaps an encouragement of them to uh, not let it get to AFCA well, it's, it's certainly an encouragement to resolve it. Yeah. Uh, and it's certainly an encouragement. To, we, we, we would prefer less cases to come to us. And so, yes, if they can resolve the issue themselves, great, as long as it's fair and the customer's happy. If not, that, and it comes to us, then we want it resolved as early in the process as possible. And the longer it goes on, the less they resolve it, the more they'll pay. It's like a taxi meter or an Uber. Sounds perfect. You're on Saturday Magazine. We are talking with the Australian Financial Complaints Authority's Chief Exec, David Locke. Stay with us. We'll be talking some more after the break. You are on Saturday Magazine. Joy, 94.9. We are speaking with uh, David Locke, the CEO and Ombudsman for the Australian Financial Complaints Authority. So, David, ideally we'd like fewer complaints uh, to come into the scheme. Tell us the sort of timeline 
that happens. You know, I lodge a complaint online. I haven't been able to resolve it with my financial institution. Uh, sometimes those financial institutions, they have uh, requirements themselves about the time. Sometimes it's, you know, an extraordinary amount of days. What's AFCA's timetable? Yeah, well, the average time to resolve a case is 69 days. Yeah. Uh, so That's an unfortunate number. <laughs> so what we do, I'm, I'll move on. Uh, so what we do is we will, at the first stage, we will go back to the financial firm and we'll say, we've now got this complaint. Yeah. It's been escalated through us. We've now got this complaint. We want you to look at it again and see whether you are now in a position to resolve it. And we do find that with many firms, they will resolve a high volume of matters at that stage. Right. And that's great. So for consumers, it can be a bit frustrating. You think, well, I've gone through that process, so why on earth are you going back to the financial firm? But actually, if we can get it resolved at that stage, yeah. Yeah, yeah. then it's better for everybody. And we're finding, for example, with the major banks, 58% of matters will resolve in that at time, that, at that, at that period. So, and there's 30 days for that. So if we can do that, that's great. If not, then what we'll do is we'll work with the parties. We'll start going through, we'll open a case, we'll start investigating it. Uh, we might hold a conciliation meeting where we get all the parties on the phone and try and see. Uh, and sometimes just hearing the consumer story uh, can actually be a change and you can find a breakthrough, find a way through. So otherwise, we'll investigate. We'll then give what we say is our view as to what we think is fair in the circumstance of this matter. And if that isn't accepted by the parties, then what we'll do is go through and make a formal determination. And that's what we do. And then we publish all of those decisions. We don't name any of the consumers, of course, mm. but we name all the financial firms and we publish all of those decisions. And we've published, so they're like, quasi-court decisions, really. We publish five and a half thousand. And votes. they're enforceable? If the consumer accepts, yes. they're enforceable. And now, Mac, the reason we've got David in this morning, and this is a fascinating conversation, so we should come back and have another conversation on this, but you have been awarded the really? Diversity, Equity and Inclusion Champion at the Australian HR Institute Awards this year for the great work that Africa has done in uh, diversity and inclusion. So congratulations, number one. That's a, that's a pretty big award to win. Um, tell us what you've been doing in Africa, David, under your leadership to, uh, to try and drive the inclusion banner. Well, th thank you, Paul. I, I mean, we've been doing a lot in this space because we, I mean, I believe firmly, passionately um, that actually if we have a workforce that reflects the communities that we serve, if we are in a situation where everybody can bring their full self, their true self to work um, and can flourish, then as an organisation, we will deliver the best service to the communities. Mm. And so for me, it's so fundamental. And growing up, you know, as a queer man in the 1980s, you know what it's like to be other. And I don't want there to be any other at AFCA. So we've got uh, employee groups. Obviously, we've got LGBTQIA+, uh, a really thriving um, community group there. About 11% of our workforce are queer. Um, and we also have different groups for people from uh, CALD communities, uh, from people who are carers, uh, either of children or parents or others. Uh, and we have groups as well focused on um, uh, 
people living with a disability uh, and also gender groups as well. So we're really passionate about intersectionality and understanding that, but also really about celebrating, not just about, this isn't just about equality, this is about really celebrating the, the incredible diversity that we have in our workforce. We've got people from all over the world uh, uh, working with us. We've got staff who work, who speak dozens of different community languages. And we really want to use that and to cherish that and celebrate that. So we uh, recently, we just did a fantastic Diwali celebrations. And the number of my people who stood up and said, I've never worn a sari to work, Mm. or I've never Mm. felt able to celebrate Diwali at work. And sometimes it's small things, Mm. but actually it's really, you know what it's like. You know how exhausting it is Mm. if you can't be out at work. And still there are people who don't feel that it's safe to be out at work. And that's actually, you know, that's, it's so important that people can celebrate their heritage and see that celebrated by the organisation. So th- this is the, the key to my question, is that a lot of people talk about making change and, and making things different and happen, but you've actually done that. So try give us an indication about how have you managed to get Africa's um, entire team really working on this? And, and you know, one of the things yeah. you've put together is like a three-year action plan about belonging. So how have you made that change actually occur into the reality it is now? Well, you've got to walk the walk, really. So it, it's really about how you operate as a leader and how what you expect of uh, other leaders, really, within the organisation. So I uh, talk to all new staff at AFCA about three things, and these are, for me, the key priorities for the whole organisation. I talk about fairness, because that's what we are tasked with doing. But actually, it's no good saying we have to deliver fair outcomes for people if you don't treat each other and you don't treat your staff fairly. So that has to permeate all the way through. Mm. I talk about uh, helpfulness because that's what I want us to be known for uh, and that's what I I, I really prioritise. But a lot of that is about empathy. It's about how can you understand what it might be like to walk in somebody else's shoes. And, and a lot of us haven't experienced ha- ha- the, some of the hardship or mm. being in abusive relationships or, you know, or, or being a new migrant, not speaking um, uh, English. But actually, you can, if you recruit the right people and you put in training and support and you demonstrate the importance of this over other things, then you can actually get people to to operate in that way. And then thirdly, I talk about kindness, because at the end of the day, I want uh, our people to... Um, to be decent and kind and humane and supportive. We're dealing with people often in crisis. We're dealing yes. with the people, dealing with the floods who have lost everything, the bushfires who have lost everything, who, who are spending hours trying to get through to their insurer. They might be living in a tent. You know, we're dealing with people who have just fled an abusive relationship with nothing. We're dealing with First Nations communities who have been scammed or, or missold stuff. So you cannot... As, you cannot d- work effectively with with all of those people unless you actually really have an understanding yourself and so that's why i think it's so important to us so but you have to you have to paul in answer to your question you have to do a lot of mm. concrete things so you do need an action plan and you do need to deliver on that but a lot of it is also about what you think is important and how you demonstrate that the people you recruit 
you know, and how you try and role model some of that. But mm. that's what I'm passionate about. Isn't that refreshing, Micah? It, it is refreshing, and you know, well, our, and congratulations uh, again. Yeah, congr- congratulations. To change you. change and, isn't easy. Yeah, and Thank and you. the change only happens when people stand up. Yep. And yep. look, I think you know, Afka does some fantastic work, and so uh, people want to do it. People want to use the service. Australian Financial Complaints Authority. It's a pretty easy website to navigate, um, and if you can't get an outcome with the financial issue or challenge that you have with the organisation, go to AFCA and, you know, I think you'll find you'll get a good outcome. But thank you for your leadership in that, David, and also when, you know, uh, charities earlier in your career and and getting this Diversion and Inclusion Champion Award, it's, it's fantastic. Thanks for making the time to come in. Really appreciate it. Let's get you back next year to give us a, an update, you know, about halfway great. through the year. Absolutely. How it's going. Um, I find it a fascinating subject. We had a question from a listener, not about this. How can we download today's podcasts of SatMag? Really simple. Joy.org.au. There's a button for podcasts, right? It's about halfway down the page. Go to News and Current Affairs podcasts, but also they come up in latest podcasts as well. Yeah, or joy.org.au forward slash Saturday Magazine. Saturday. That'll take you straight to this page. Yeah, yeah. So thank you. Well, thank you, Maka. Thank you, Paul. Great Been to a pleasure. be with you. Thank you, you David. You are on SatMag, Joy 94.9. Stay with us. There's more. This is Saturday Magazine. There's no better way to capture the spirit and liveliness of your next event than to organise a Joy Outside broadcast. Bring Australia's most uplifting radio to you as our presenters and tech operators set up a live-to-air broadcast wherever and whenever you want. Bring our diverse listenership directly to your event and align your brand with ours. To find out more about Joy's tech services, head to joy.org.au slash services. A Joy Joy Community Community Service Service message. Have you ever wanted to march at Sydney's Gay and Lesbian Mardi Gras? The Melbourne-based group No Borders, No Judgment are looking for your participation for their 2024 float called Unity Unveiled, envisioning our alicorn spirit. The costumes are inclusive and the choreography caters to people of all dancing abilities. So join in and have a fabulous time. Head to Instagram.com forward slash No Borders, No Judgment and fill out the form to register your interest. A Joy Community Service message. For all voices, this is Joy. You are listening to Saturday Magazine, Paul and Macca. What an action-packed show we've had today. I'd like to go through and thank our uh, our very good guest this morning. We had uh, Sally Cap joining us, uh, Lord Mayor of London. Lord Lord Mayor of Melbourne. What was I saying there? Uh, We also spoke to Simon Ruth, Chief Exec of Thorn Harbour Health. Uh, Jonas Chung, who joined us uh, all the way from Singapore, who's visiting Melbourne. Senator Janet Rice, who was uh, on her way out of the Senate, but also got a long bike ride ahead to make it back down to Melbourne. And we finished off there with David Locke, who's the Chief Ombudsman and Chief Exec of the Australian Financial Complaints Authority. Thank you for all of your messages, particularly 317, for uh, all your messages coming through today. It's been a a great action-packed show. Um, Maka, we're just about to sign off because we've got the news. I've said thank you to everyone else. Thank you. What's coming up on Word for Word, or have you done that? Uh, I haven't done Word for Word. No, we've got uh, Wine and Bravovich, which is a, a very um, emotional uh, interview that Lisa did with Ryan. It is. Uh, about uh, some wonderful, wonderful work that he's done 
uh, post some very sad episodes. So a bit of a warning on that one. It is sensitive. Thanks for joining us. Here's the news. We'll see you next week with Paul. This is a Joy Programme Encore. We acknowledge the traditional owners of the land. Joy News. Joy News. Joy News. For all voices, this is Joy. You are listening to Saturday Magazine, Paul and Macca. What an action-packed show we've had today. I'd like to go through and thank our uh, our very good guest this morning. We had uh, Sally Cap joining us, uh, Lord Mayor of London. Lord, Lord Mayor of Melbourne. What was I saying there? Uh, we also spoke to Simon Ruth, Chief Exec of Thorn Harbour Health. Uh, Jonas Chung, who joined us uh, all the way from Singapore, who's visiting Melbourne. Senator Janet Rice, who was uh, on her way out of the Senate, but also got a long bike ride ahead to make it back down to Melbourne. And we finished off there with David Locke, who's the Chief Ombudsman and Chief Exec of the Australian Financial Complaints Authority. Thank you for all of your messages, particularly 317, for uh, all your messages coming through today. It's been a, a great action-packed show. Um, Maka, we're just about to sign off because we've got the news. I've said thank you to everyone else. Thank you. What's coming up on Word for Word or have you done that? Uh, I haven't done Word for Word. No, we've got uh, Wine and Bravovich, which is a, a very um, emotional uh, interview that Lisa did with Ryan uh, about uh, some wonderful, wonderful work that he's done uh, post some very sad episodes. So a bit of a warning on that one. It is sensitive. Thanks for joining us. Here's the news. We'll see you next week with Paul. This is a Joy Program Encore. We acknowledge the traditional owners. Thanks for listening to another Joy podcast brought to you by Australia's LGBTQIA plus community media organisation, Joy. Help us keep Joy on air. Head to joy.org.au. Joy, a diverse sound for a diverse community.